0: The Ghost of Radio, welcome back to this, our shared podcast, all about above and beyond mid-century horror radio, which we enjoy together when we pull an episode at random out of the cauldron. They're all in there waiting for us to pull one out so that we can listen in our own ways and times, come back here, discuss, make sense, to enjoy That's always the hope. And there's no time like the present, so let's do it. Alrighty, this time around, our episode is called Death in the Depths. Death in the Depths from, dare I say it, Inner Sanctum. Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Oh, Inner Sanctum, not even a frenemy to our show. Inner Sanctum is the cold bucket of water that attempts to put out the fire under our cauldron every time we encounter it. But we are ready to stand strong. So, go to the internet. Open that thing up. Get under the hood. Type in relicradio.com, archive.org. They each have everything Or go to your favorite non-tracking search engine and type in Inner Sanctum Radio, single episodes. And that magical little equation pretty much takes you right to where you want to be on archive.org. You will find this episode, and it will find you. Mm, We're not in the middle. We're actually toward the end. We're in the second half of season six, and not for nothing, we can recognize danger when we see it. So, I will just give a caution before you do go off and listen. This episode has two descriptions of drowning, long, and the second one is very graphic of what it feels like, you know, from the writer's ideas to drown. So, that is not something you want to hear if that's going to take you to a bad place, just skip this. Skip this whole episode. Go listen to something else or skip those parts. I will flag them as they come up. Just a little bit of actual serious caution to you here. has nothing to do with inner sanctum, but about that bit of content. Now, that said, off you go. See you soon. Okay. okay. Okay, we are back from listening to Inner Sanctum, and let's just address it right off the bat. The host and sponsor segments are just as bad as they can be. They're pouring it on. They're coming on strong with that this time around. The story itself is a well-worn one I can think of maybe right off the top of my Ghosting three different shows from different times, different series that cover the same idea that you are a deep sea diver, and when you go deep sea diving, you encounter the immortal remains of those who have gone before you. It's promising, right? That's spooky. We're already spooked out by the ocean and by diving, just like we're already spooked out by caves and dark forests. These are the natural places we are still afraid of 250,000 years later, living on Earth. So there's plenty of chance for this to work. Did it work here? Well, what did you make of it? Uh, I think it's not quite ringing the bell, and I'm going to blame Inner Sanctum for this, even though it may not be their fault. It doesn't really get there, And we're just going to have to experience why not as we go along. Let's buckle up. I'm going to make you listen to the intro again. Going to make you do it. You know, it's almost endearing the way the host playing Raymond, this is uh, Raymond 2, is kind of laughing as he begins it. Like if Inner Sanctum could have just said like, all right, we know this is going to be a little bit crazy, but hold on for the ride. Maybe that could have worked, but they just, uh, they just had to do what they did. They just had to be in her sanctum and they had for a long time to have Mary Bennett. I like, is it in this very intro where she starts talking and Raymond is like, well, who's, who is that? Oh God, is that Mary Bennett? Oh my God. (laughs) He has the same reaction that we do, but really he has only himself to blame.
1: Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup presents Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host, Raymond, inviting you once again to join our uh, scary company. Please come in, won't you? We have a, a full quiver of shivers this evening and a... What? You say it's rather cold in here. Well, some of the chills of our story must have leaked out. Why don't you all huddled together, there's so much comfort in having someone else beside you instead of being besides yourself.
2: Now, Mr. Raymond, that's no way to welcome people. You're apt to chase them away talking so scary like.
1: What? Oh, hello, Mary Bennett. So, uh, you don't think I'm a good host, huh? Maybe I should say, lay your little head on a pillow. Are you comfy? Hmm? There. Now, Uncle Raymond will join you to sleep with a bedtime story. And when you wake up, Aunt Mary will give you a nice, hot plate of Lipton's noodle soup.
2: Oh, dear. There's just no talking to you. Folks, please don't listen to the way he talks about Lipton's noodle soup. Try it for yourself. You just don't know how good noodle soup can be until you've tasted Lipton's. It's got such a grand chickeny flavor. It really tastes homemade. And then, of course, Lipton's noodle soup comes in a package, so it's no work to prepare. You just empty it into boiling water, and in a jiffy, soup's on. And another thing, Lipton's makes lots more and costs less than canned soups.
1: Well, thanks for the hot facts, Mary. And uh, here's a fact for you. Did you know that more than two-thirds of the Earth's entire surface is unknown? The uh, salty wastes of the sea? Only a short distance under the surface, death lurks in a hundred different shapes, and that's where we're going to take you tonight in Robert Newman's strange story of death in the death.
0: Oh, Mary Bennett. He says it with some real hatred. Oh, Mary Bennett. (laughs) <laughs> I just for the first time saying your name thought of Pride and Prejudice. I'm surprised that hasn't happened sooner than this, because the mind just flees to any other thing it can when forced to deal with inner sanctum. And just the quick note, of course, those who've been around this cauldron for a long time know about the four S's of mid-century horror radio. Episodes can be sick. We don't like that. Sad. It can work. Silly. No. Or spooky. Spooky is the goal. Inner Sanctum is just silly and it's their goal. It isn't accidental. It's not partial. It's the whole deal for them. And that just ruins it for us. We want to leave an episode, ideally, being really spooked out, like everything that we understand about the world and ourselves, shaken up a little bit. If that's not happening, it can't happen every time, I guess. It's not always the perfect experience, but if that's not happening because it's silly, that's bad. All right. They also have the the sponsor fail of why would you have a show that's allegedly um, a horror radio show and have the sponsor be lipped in chicken soup, this wholesome thing that you want housewives to buy for their children? It really, one thing, it shows that these shows had a very wide audience. It was not just teenagers, it wasn't guys, you know, big listenership across the spectrum of types of people who might be listening. But I just didn't know how to do it right. The whiplash of horror, chicken noodle soup, horror, chicken noodle soup. Oh, it's bad. We're fleeing to the story now, hoping to get something better. Let's get the start of the story, where Steve is being forced to sign up for another diving job.
3: I can't do it, Leila. I just can't. That's all there's to it.
4: Stop arguing and get on board there. I'm telling
3: you I can't, Leila. I can't. Why even think about it? The way the water looks down
4: under. The feel of it pressing against you. I'm telling you that you are going, whether you like it or not. Two years of living in crummy second-rate rooming houses. That's plenty, see? Too much. You're going back to doing something that really pays off. I you... told you to shut up. Now stop squawking and let's go aboard.
5: Okay. Hi there, the Gasco Bay. Is Captain Brody around? I'm Brody. Come aboard.
3: Evening, Captain. My name's Farrell. This is my wife. Hello. Hi.
6: I understand you're going off on a job and you're looking for divers.
5: Well, yes, I am. We've got a salvage job off the Keys. It's a tough one, 20 fathoms. We only use real deep water men. What did you say your name was again? Farrell. Steve Farrell. You mean Big Steve Farrell? Why don't you say so? Sure, I can use you. Wait right there. I'll go get the paper. Okay, Captain.
4: Well, was that so tough?
1: Hey, look, for heaven's sakes,
3: don't make me do it. You don't know what you're asking me to do it. It's like sending me... Lila, did you hear that? Nine bells. What of it? What of it? There's no such thing as nine bells. It, it's like a clock striking 13 o'clock. That means death. The, the
6: only other time I ever heard it was when... Hey, Curtis...
4: Listen, I'm getting sick of this, see? You don't want to do any more diving because you've lost your nerve. And because a bell rings nine times instead of eight, you say it means something. Well, what do you think it would mean if I told the police a couple of things I know? I'll tell you. It would mean the chair. Now, how do you like that?
3: Lila, you don't know. You don't know.
4: <laughs> Take care of yourself, Stevie boy. I'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks.
3: Feeling pretty good, aren't you? I think you're getting just what you want. Well, maybe you uh, Because when I sign those papers, I won't be signing on as a diver. I'll be signing my own death certificate.
0: All right. Interesting idea. Why would that be the case? Well, we are going to get that in two flashbacks. Here's the first one. And this is... Uh, The opposite of when we were talking about the merry widower, right? Where we said, here's a guy who's losing his mind for real. But you can tell that before that really started happening, he was a likable, lovable guy. And so you understand why his wife married him then, even though she's not getting along with him now. Here we've got what is far more usual, the inexplicable marriage. (laughs) Can you tell me, you've listened Why Steve and Leela got married? Or I don't know. There's no good, wholesome, chicken noodley reason why they got married. Let's get the first story. She has just married Curly in this next clip. Just married him. Somehow, maybe it's the next day, she's getting together with Steve, who she's had an affair with before she got married. And if we had any sympathy for Steve because of his fear in that first clip, we lose it here because we see that he's a lowlife and she's a lowlife and they're a couple of lowlifes i mean people can find an infinity with each other but it isn't enough basis to get married on we're both lowlifes let's listen again and see what gives
3: i'm scared scared i swore i'd never go down again here i am it's so all just the way I remembered it. Nothing at first but the quiet. Just the pump, like the echo of your heart beating. And the light fading as you go down. Getting darker, And the cold. The pressure building up. Pressing harder and harder. Gripping you tighter and tighter as if you were being swallowed by something alive. Always down below where you can't see it. Something waiting. Something that stopping. Alice, stop, it. Not stop it. it was a time when I really used to like diving. When did it all begin? This I Yes, that night in the bar in Tampa. She told me she married Curly.
4: Well, this is certainly quite an evening you're giving me, Steve. It's more like a wake than a celebration. Why are you looking at me like that?
3: Wondering whether I should kill you. Whether I should talk to Curly and let him do it. What do you mean? You know what I mean. You know Curly. You ever found out how things were with you and me? Well, he's just young enough and crazy enough about you to put you away for keeps.
4: I can handle Curly with my little finger. Besides, you wouldn't do anything like that.
3: Wouldn't I? Why'd you meet me here tonight? You know, it's because you wish you were married to me instead of him.
4: So what? What are you going to do about it? You know darn well he'll never let me go.
3: No. I guess he won't, but... We've got to do something.
4: Yeah, but what?
3: After all... He works for me. Diving's kind of dangerous. As a matter of fact, we're getting off on a job tomorrow that's pretty tricky.
2: Steve,
3: when you want something badly enough, there's always a way of getting it.
0: So, I really dig you, but you married someone else, so I really ought to kill you. Or if I don't get to kill you, I should tell your husband so he kills you. No, I think I'll kill your husband. Oh, Steve, you know, low life is too good a word. Leela has just married Curly, and she's already skeevin' and scheming with Steven. Why? What is her deal? Is she just like a serial marrier, <laughs> where she marry a guy and try and get what she can out of him, and then uh, lead him to commit murder and move on? I don't know. But Steve goes through with his plan to kill Curly when they are diving, and that's the scene coming up. So it is the first of the two scenes to describe a drowning. It is three minutes and 10 seconds long. So if you want to skip away from it, you can do that. But otherwise, here is that scene. It's it's not making us love Steve. That's for sure. And that last dive, late in the afternoon,
3: standing on deck with Andy, the pump man, and watching Curly through the clear water you to move across the deck of the Hulk. As cool as she was, and... You going down too,
6: Steve? Uh, yeah, Andy. Uh, maybe we can wind up today and start home tomorrow. You can handle both of us? Sure. Only watch the coral over on the port side there, sharp as a razor. Almost took Curly's boot off this morning. If you get into any trouble, well, I'm all alone up here. I'll watch you. Want to button me up? Yeah, sure.
3: just the way I'm going down now. But I still wasn't afraid, not yet. I was too busy figuring out just how I was going to do it. I landed on the bottom and started to work my way toward the hulk, over the coral. There was Curly's hose and safety line, lying on the coral, sneaking its way to the hulk where he was working. I didn't have to look up. Tell by the shadow, I was under the hull of our ship, so Andy couldn't see me. And I came to a place where Curly's line was lying right next to a coral spur, and I knew that was it. I bent down, looked it around the spur, so Andy couldn't pull him up.
6: Hello, Curly. Curly, try your line. I think it's false. And I did
3: it. Took out my knife and cut Curly's air hose. Andy must have known it even before Curly did soon as the bubble started pouring out of the end of the hose... Hello,
6: Curly, can you still hear me? I think you're in trouble. Your airline's cut. Hold it and save whatever air you've got. Steve's on the bottom, too. He'll get over to you. Did you hear Steve?
3: Uh, Yeah, I heard. I'm going as fast as I can. Steve, you gotta hurry. Where are you? Uh, I I just hit the deck, but it's clouded up and I can't see anything. Uh, Where's Curly? Up
6: forward to the ship's bell. Listen, he says he's going to ring it so you can follow the sound. For heaven's sake, hurry.
3: The sound. As if I didn't know where he was. Straightforward. I could see him now His lifeline taut so we couldn't move. Holding his air hose with one hand and ringing the bell with the other. He was swaying back and forth. And I started counting the strokes. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Then he slid down onto the deck. The air bubbled out of his helmet and I knew he was dead. I remember thinking... One bell after midnight. And suddenly it came over me that this was something I I was never going to be able to forget. Never. But every time I went down, I was going to see him swaying there, hanging on to the bell,
0: waiting for me. Waiting. Waiting. All right. So that is that evil deed done. And unfortunately, we're going almost straight into the host and sponsor spot. You know, we have never liked the things that they wrote for Mary to say, but this one's particularly egregious. It just doesn't make any sense. They're they're doing to her, it just occurred to me, what suspense did to their character, Hap, who used to talk to Arlo, the spark plug guy. Hap started out as a middle-aged man with a teenage son and a wife and a, a house and a life, and they turned him into this weird old doddering kind of – mentally unstable sidekick. That's what they kind of seem to be doing to Mary, where she says that the noodles are floating in a golden broth, and then they have her stop and say, Oh, Maya, I'm starting to talk fancy. Girl. She also makes the (laughs) amazingly, hilariously sincere claim that the thing about this chicken noodle soup is that it just, it somehow has a chickeny flavor.
1: So that's why Steve Farrell wouldn't go back to his old profession of deep-sea diving. I should think it would lose some of its appeal if you expect to meet a dead man every time you go down. Uh, How about that, Mary? Climb board and tell us what you think.
2: Well, Mr. Raymond, I certainly wouldn't like to be a deep-sea diver. To be all alone down there in the cold water with fishes and all sorts of things swimming around you, Mm-mm, that's not for me. Oh,
1: but just think, Mary, when you come up, you could have a nice hot plate of Lipton's noodle soup. Wait.
2: I think you've really got something there. Lipton's noodle soup would sure be welcome at a time like that. It's such a heartwarming dish. It perks you up just looking at it, looking at those tender noodles floating in that golden broth. Don't say it. Well, I'm getting to talk fancy. But really, folks, Lipton's does taste sort of special. It's got a, a chickeny flavor. Uh-huh. and Well, it just tastes homemade, like the old-fashioned noodle soup you used to make yourself. But heavens, I don't want to be interrupting Mr. Raymond's story. So I'll just say, try Lipton's real soon,
0: won't you, folks? Why does he continually say a plate of soup? Why? Why does she say indefinable something it has is a chicken flavor. Why is saying a yellow-colored broth is golden talking too fancy, and why does she say it's spatial? (laughs) Oh, these are all bad things. We had to endure them all. We're happy when we escape back to the hellhole where we find Steve and Leela could call them Stila. married And she immediately just turns on him instantly. It goes from her saying something that's so refreshing. Why shouldn't I smile? I'm married to a guy I like. You're so uh, beaten down by the fact that he seems upset that she's happy. What are you smiling about on your wedding day? I'm married to a guy I like. Like, oh, okay. Maybe somehow this is okay, and then it just goes straight downhill again where she's immediately blackmailing him. Look, if you're a gold digger, marry a guy with money. You can't be a gold digger and try to build the guy up into having money. You go for the guy who has money already. (sighs) All sorts of murderous feelings are are happening everywhere here. (laughs) We better escape back into the story. Give it all back to them.
3: Why does it seem so familiar? Seems to remind me of something else. That's it. The corridor of the hotel, right after we were married. Walking down it with her, Leila. Out onto the terrace. The way she took the cigarette I gave her. Smiled at me. Very sure of herself.
4: Thanks, Steve. Thanks a lot.
3: Let us smile, baby.
4: Why shouldn't I smile? I'm young, healthy, and I'm married to a guy I like. The guy who's going to take real good care of me.
3: I sure am, baby. Not only that, now on, things are going to be different. Didn't have a chance to tell you before, but I'm through with diving. What keeps. What do you mean? Just that. I sold a boat yesterday and all the equipment. I'm out of that racket for good.
4: You shouldn't have done that, Steve. Not without talking to me about it first. What do you expect to do from now on? Oh, I'm all
3: set on that. I I got a job as a second engineer and a freighter, the outdoors.
4: Well, I guess that'll be all right. For a while, anyway. What do you
3: mean, for a while? You think you're going to tell me what kind of work I should do and
4: what kind I shouldn't do? But of course, Steve. Like I said, I'm your wife. And besides, if I wanted to, I could tell either you or... Uh, Anyone else? A lot of other things. Like why you decided to give up diving.
3: What are you talking about? Give it up because I was sick
4: of it. Is that the reason? Or is it because you're afraid that if you did do any more diving, you might start seeing things? Seeing what? Well, after all, you were right there when Curly had his accident and got drowned. The funny thing is, you were talking about how he might have an accident just before you went off on that trip. I've been thinking I really ought to talk to Andy about it since he was there, too, and find out just how it happened.
3: Andy's not around anymore. He left town right after I paid him off.
4: Oh, I see. Well, remember that the police could probably find him, Steve, if they should
0: ever want to ask him any questions he doesn't like that she's sure of herself or that she's happy you you can't feel anything but loathing for both of these people one day she will be murdered by some guy she marries we know this for a certainty now i actually forgot there's the three three occurrences of drowning in this episode so we're coming up in the next one with andy so again here's another description of Drowning that goes on for almost two minutes. If you wanted to skip that, we're meant, I believe, to continue to sympathize with Steve. Like, oh, you know, he's a guilty conscience because, well, at least he has a conscience and may we feel sorry for him. Curly doesn't seem like he was a great guy. So what's the difference? But <laughs> when he just keeps a killing people, it's impossible for us to see him as our hero. For us, maybe not for the average listener of Inner Sanctum.
3: Oh, there
6: you are,
3: Swenson. Hey, where are you going? Come back here. Hey, wait. Wait a minute. No, well, not Swenson.
6: Who are you? Hey, I'm nobody, Chief. I stole away, huh? Hiding down here behind the boiler. Now, uh, give me a break, will you, Chief? I, I ain't doing nobody any harm. Huh? Or I'll be. Steve, big Steve Farrell. Andy.
3: Andy Andrews.
6: <laughs> and I wanted a break. This is terrific, Steve, like money in the bank. What happened to you, anyway? Oh, usual thing. You run a tough luck. Been out of work for about a year now. Look, Steve, I'm pretty hungry. I uh, ain't had to eat since we left port. Well, I guess I could pick up some stuff from the galley for you. But uh, you have to be careful. It'd be the devil if they found out I was hiding. <laughs> Good old Steve. I know you wouldn't let an old shipmate down. And, uh, Steve, while we're at it, I could use a little uh, cash, too. Yeah, yeah, I figured that. <laughs> well, when we get to port, I I guess I could let you have 10 or 20. Uh, that's not enough. I was figuring on, like, uh, 500. For a starter. 500? Are you nuts? I don't think so, Steve. You see, after Curly had his little accident and you sold the boat and all the equipment, I figured you'd given up diving because you were kind of upset about it. Then I heard you'd married his widow, that uh, Leela dame. I started thinking back. I remembered how Curly's air hose looked after we pulled him up. The place where it was cut wasn't rough, like it had been done by Coral. It was clean, like it had been done with a knife. So that's it. Blackmail. Oh. Oh, why do you have to
3: use words like that, Steve? Okay, Andy. It's uh, going to be a little tough to get, but... Wait a minute. What is it? Someone's coming. One of the wipers. we got to find some place for you to hide. I know. Down there in the bilge. Here, climb in. Right down through that. Oh, but oh. it's almost full of water. There's plenty of room, and you'll be safe there. Really safe. Oh, okay, but you better not... Oh, what are you doing? Let go of me.
6: Let go! Help! Help!
3: Help. Yeah. You'll be safe here, all right. I'll see to that. Stop struggling like that, Andy. It's not going to do you any good. And I'm in too deep already to... Let you go wandering around, to what you know. And, uh, weeks before they find you down here in the villages. Maybe they never will. And if they do, they'll figure you tried to hide down there. and They got drowned. All by
0: yourself. All right, we are about to roll through to the ending where he meets his inevitable fate. And this is what we have been waiting for, right? Because it's a story where you're meant to understand what will happen. We all know from word go what is going to happen. So you're waiting for it. And it is just a question of how well. It will be done. Now, the reason I give the content warning and I say that this final description of drowning is about two and a half minutes, the whole clip, is that we all know there's a real difference between horrible fates that cannot really happen, like being somehow killed by a ghost, and horrible fates that really can happen. People drown. They go through that real horror. That's what makes it so scary to us. This is not something out of the realm of possibility. So when you are going to have a horror ending like that, that could be real, you've got to do it really well. You've got to make it ideally have some supernatural angle that will help people to accept and deal with it and not just want to skip it. It's got to have something about it that removes you and doesn't trigger you to think about real world drownings. So that's what I mean when I say it has to be well done. And they have the supernatural element, but they really undercut its power to help us get through the ending by so minutely describing what it's like as far as we know, those of us who have not drowned, to drown. They're using it to add on the horror, but it's making it so real life that it's getting on the wrong side of the line just about. They try, maybe they were aware of that to some extent, because then there's that strong flip at the very end of it where it becomes kind of, uh, I don't know what word I want. Suddenly, it's okay. (laughs) Suddenly, it's okay. Let's listen, if you're going to listen, to this two and a half minutes and see what we make of it again. And when we come back, we will not be describing any of that again. So let's listen one time. Some kind of a brass plate on the floor here. Captain,
3: Captain, this isn't Miss Helena. It's the Arcturus. What are you talking about? It is,
6: it is. Don't you understand it? It's a ship where I kill him. And uh, he must still be down here. Down the, down the bilges. Get me out of here. Pull me up. Pull me oh, up. Okay, Steve. Now take it easy. We'll get you up. Start hauling him up.
5: Mike, you better go down there fast. See what the trouble is. Hurry up. Hurry up for having sakes. Uh, I think I see something moving back there. Behind the waters
3: Hey,
6: Brody. Like uh, you know, I did when curly. Uh, that means that he's here, too. Can't you get me out? We're trying, but something's wrong with your line seems to
5: be fouled. Now, look, Steve. Try to get out yourself. Start working your way back along your line.
6: No good, Steve. You know that, don't you? You're here to stay. Andy. Andy. It, It is you. Sure, Steve. And I got a friend with me. A friend of yours, too. He's standing right next to you. Andy. We waited a long time, Steve, but now you're here with us, and now you're going to know exactly what it was like with both of us. You're going to know what it's like to drown. Steve, Steve, why don't you answer? What's the matter? Steve, your life in the mirror, so I think they're gone. They're gone now. Let me go. Let me go. It's too late, Steve. This is it. This is the way it was with us, trying to fight it first, holding your breath. Then, when you can't fight it any longer, letting go, the water rushing in, into your mouth, nose. You choke at first, try to fight some more. Then everything starts to go black, and you relax. There are lights moving in the darkness, and suddenly you feel very peaceful. Very free,
3: peaceful, very free.
0: Well, that seems like a very unexpectedly soft landing for someone like Steve, for a double murderer. It ends with peacefulness. Why? Why do they give him that way out? Why does he get that benediction? Why? The other question we are left asking is, so now what? (laughs) The two victims have gotten their revenge or their justice. Do their souls finally rest? Or do they continue to haunt the deep forever? Do they keep Steve as their prisoner forever in an undead eternal existence? Do their souls get to rest in peace, but now Steve's never can? We need those entirely 100% supernatural details to bring this back into the level of a fantasy story and out of the real world completely, and we don't get it. They waste this little second ending saying, oh, maybe something really did happen. Girl, you've already given me these undead spirits, so I don't need to be convinced anymore. Don't try the, oh, did anything really happen? Or did Steve just imagine it from a series of very you know, explainable coincidences? You've told me it's two ghosts. It's two ghosts. Tell me what happens with the ghosts at the end. That's what I want to know. As you listen to this second ending, uh, note the point at which the captain is discovered to be 100% responsible for Steve's death.
5: Did you find him, Mike?
0: Yeah, he was right where you said.
5: Down in the engine room. They're hauling him up now. It's going to be tough breaking the news to his wife. How did it happen? There's a heavy iron door leading into the engine room. It swung shut. Cut his lifeline and air hose. Hmm. You were saying an awful lot of stuff that didn't make sense, but there was was something about a bell. Well, his lifeline was looped around the bell on the foredeck. Must have gotten caught when you tried to pull him up. Say what? And uh, that may have rung the bell a few times. When you killed him? Uh, There was something else, though. Captain? You remember you said uh, he kept asking if the ship's name was really the Santa Helena? Yeah. Well it was a brass plate in the engine room with her original name on it and it was the Arcturus Yeah, they must have changed it when they re-registered her that yeah, is funny there's one thing that's even funnier well, of course the whole thing was an accident but but I wonder what made that door close
0: yeah nice redirect <laughs> Uh, let's not talk about that lifeline that I broke when I was trying to haul him up. Blah, let's think about what closed that door, right? That's what we all care about, right? <laughs> oh, nice try, Captain. What are you going to do? Go back to shore and marry Leela? Oh, she'll be waiting for you. And she will blackmail you about how you killed Steve, who killed Andy and Curly. And then you'll kill Leela. And then where's her ghost going to haunt? Some seedy hotel somewhere? Oh, it's a bleak, a bleak conclusion that we are offered by Death in the Depths from Inner Sanctum. Well, the story is over and now we just are. We're, yeah, we're going to sit through the last host and sponsor spot with our little outro. And we're going to deal when she says the word swarming.
1: Oh, you do, huh? Even with two able-bodied ghosts about? <laughs> but that's the way we like to leave you, with a couple of things to keep you wondering. And when we do, then we've known we've really rung the bell. The, uh funeral bell. <laughs> oh,
2: Mr. Raymond, with all the different kinds of bells there are, why why do you have to talk about that kind? All
1: right, all right, Mary, pick your own bell, see if I care.
2: All right, then I'll choose a dinner bell.
1: Will you ring it nine times, huh? <laughs> no,
2: sir, you only have to ring it once if you're serving Lipton's noodle soup. And folks will come swarming to the table, because they know it takes Lipton's to show how good a noodle soup can be. <laughs>
1: Now, before I close the inner sanctum, here's a word of advice. If you should have nightmares tonight about drowning men and wake up with a start and see a strange figure in your room, a figure with staring eyes and seaweed in its hair, dripping water on the floor, don't be alarmed. Just ask it for its
0: haunting license. <laughs> That was the joke? Okay, that was the best they could do. Is that what you thought he was going to say? Ask it for its haunting license? We don't even have time. We don't have enough of our precious time around the cauldron to get into fixing that joke. Woo, story editors were on vacation that day. And that's why we have that episode done now. Death in the depths. Oh, from inner sanctum, it's done and we're free. I don't know how many more times the cauldron is going to give us an inner sanctum story. But we take that medicine with the uh, very outdated and counterproductive idea that the bad will help us to appreciate the good. I think by now, six seasons in, we understand good and bad. We know the difference between good and evil. Boy, unlike any of the characters in our story today, right? But that's why we are safe in our beds from any kind of apparition in Nantucket, Inglewood, El Cerrito, Kansas City, and Albuquerque, as Bugs Bunny would have said it. We are safe to gather around our cauldron once again next week, so that is what we are going to do. With that uplifting thought in mind, and as we put this thing in our rear view, go your way this week. Be safe, be happy, and I'll see you soon.
5: Of course, the whole thing was an accident, but, but I wonder what made that door close.